This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. to get the show on the road welcome back to the podcast everyone i hope you had a good time and if you're new to the podcast or the youtube channel or the audio uh welcome this is the channel where we talk about all things tesla model 3 model y and whatever the heck else that tesla decides to uh to come up with and uh there is no shortage of news on the tesla front of course this week because lots of things happened so before I begin, I want to just introduce myself. My name is Trevor Page. I run the Tesla Owners Online Forum, and tonight I have some special guests. I have my usual cadre of co-hosts with me, Ian Pavelko and Eric Camacho. And joining us again tonight is Michael Bodner from the Tesla Tuning YouTube channel. Welcome again. Hey. Ooh, I have a whole, we, ha we brought the band back together, right, Ian? We're putting the band back together, man. I almost dressed up in my Blues Brothers outfit. I have one. <laughs> I saw the tweet that you put out. I got a good laugh. Yeah. Uh, well, it has certainly been an eventful week in, ter in terms of uh, all Tesla news and stuff. So we're, uh, we're going to get into some of the Tesla news, but we want to spend some more time, I think, towards the end of the podcast, um, really talking about the big news of this week, which was the Tesla Investor Autonomy Day, or what Tesla usually calls just the Autonomy Day, because they started showing off their progress as far as um, the new full self-driving computer that's been all the talk lately. So we'll get into that. Um, first thing we want to get into here today is um, the big change that happened literally yesterday. Tesla, after many, many months and a long time of speculation, finally updated the S and the X. I'm just going to bring up the Tesla webpage here where they uh, they have a blog here. It says the longest range electric vehicle now goes even further. So beginning today, Model S and X now come with an all new drivetrain design that increases each vehicle's range substantially, achieving a landmark 370 miles and 325 miles on the EPA cycle for both the S and X respectively. Using the same unchanged 100, I put the word in, unchanged in there, 100 kilowatt hour battery pack. These design and architecture updates allow drivers to travel even further. So let's talk about this. So some of the changes that they've made. So we know the battery packs remain unchanged. Now, I had the conversation a week and a bit ago with um, Sean Mitchell from the uh, All Things EV YouTube channel. We, we kind of just kind of chewed the fat a little bit and kind of speculated as to what it was Tesla was going. You know, for a long time, I have kind of always suspected that Tesla um, was going to change to a 2100, uh, 2170 cell, much like the Model 3. That hasn't happened yet. Yes. I do believe that in time it will happen. But for now, um, the 100 kilowatt hour battery pack has uh, has legs. But there have been some other significant changes in the S and the X. I'm, I'm going to bring you guys back on here and I'll just keep reading some of the stuff that they've done here. So uh, they've updated the drivetrains on the car. So now they put a permanent magnet motor in the front now, largely based on the Model 3 one, which you know is extremely efficient. Mm -hmm. um, they've updated the silicon carbide power electronics. They up, um, improved the lubrication, the cooling, um, the bearings. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, new gear designs to achieve uh, greater than 93% efficiency. That's significant here. They, um, so they, they still retain the AC induction motor in the back. And because the car, of course, is uh, dual motor on the S and the X, that, uh, as we know, if you've been paying attention, that they dynamically change the traction control between the two. Now, 
the reason the range has gone up significantly is because the PMAG motor in the front is so much more efficient and because on highway speeds the car is largely a front wheel drive car, um, you don't get that, um, um, that drag that's induced because with an AC induction motor, um, no, I got it backwards. Never mind. Let's <laughs> just move on here a little no, bit. No, you're, you're correct, Trev. If you turn off an AC motor, there's no drag because the, the magnets don't, there's no magnets. Yeah, ex exactly. Because if, had they kept it um, with just the PMAG and only driven from the back, that induces drag. So just by having the PMAG on, you can turn off the AC. There's no drag. Correct. So, yes, I was on the right track and I got mm -hmm. confused there for a second. Um, they've also increased the charging on the cars. Um, they say that they're now capable of 200 kilowatts on a V3 superchargers, 145 kilowatts on V2 superchargers. They say together these improvements enable the customers to recharge their, car, uh, their cars 50% faster. Always good. They've also updated the adaptive uh, suspension system on both the cars. So um, they've made some significant changes in there. Again, it's um, talked a little bit more in depth on the um, Motor Trend article, which we'll get to here shortly. But um, the, the car uses a predictive model now to anticipate how the damping will need to be adjusted based on the road, the speed, and other vehicle driver inputs. This is different from other car manufacturers. Lots of cars have dynamic damping, but I think they look them up in tables. And this, I think, they may be using some AI or whatever to adjust that. So um, that's quite interesting. Um, let me see here. What else do they say? Uh, let me see here. Complement these changes. Also re-engineered several other components of the S and the X, keeping with our philosophy continuous improvement. We know that. The, some of the uh, updates include new wheel bearings, which we talked about, a new tire design. Uh, Ian, you can probably get into this a little bit later. Um, let me see here. Oh, one of the other things, too. As a freebie, and this, is, this was unanticipated, and it's the very last paragraph here. They say, in addition to our long-range performance variants, we're also reintroducing a lower entry price for the S and X, bringing back the standard range option. I'll, I'll show you the page here in a second uh, so we can look at the pricing. And as a way to emphasize the critical impact of each of our Tesla owners, uh, early adopters, uh, as a thank you, all existing S and X owners who wish to purchase a new S or X performance will get the ludicrous upgrade at $20,000 value at no additional charge. That's pretty compelling for those that guys wanted the go fast option, right? I wonder here who here has an S or an X that would be tempted to make such an upgrade. Who, oh, who could that so be? much money, man! I looked at it. Who could that be? Uh, to, sell, the, uh, to sell mine to get fully loaded? Yeah, 50, on the financial call, he, uh, 157 he grand. All yeah. Teslas. Yes, you heard that too. I, I was like, oh, 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 oh. he didn't just say SX on the financial call. He said all Tesla owners. Yeah, he, yeah. Get that twenty thousand dollar perk. That's that's what I need is a more expensive car. <laughs> I can't even afford more. <laughs> I just want to bring up the configuration page just a little bit here so we can go over some of the options here. So I've just brought up a Model S here. The standard range still got the two hundred eighty-five mile range EPA range, um, starting at seventy-eight thousand. Uh, that's before any shenanigans with the pricing. Uh, long range, there it is, three hundred seventy miles, three point seven seconds, zero to sixty. No slouch, eighty-eight thousand. For all of our metric friends, that's just shy of 600 kilometers. Like a yep, tick shy. I know. Uh, unbelievable. I was telling my wife there tonight. Performance car comes in at $99,000 base price, 3.0 seconds, 0 to 60, 345 mile EPA range. Um, incredible. Incredible changes for these cars, which leads us into the next one here, which we'll get here in a second. I want to talk about this because... You know, it was looking pretty bad for the S and the X there for a while. Of course, Model 3 was getting the longer range. They were getting the new tech, faster supercharging. Of course, we have not seen an interior refresh or a design refresh. Again, I don't think that's necessary at this point, but the tech was certainly important, especially if you're charging these kind of premium prices. What do you guys think about this? I mean, would you get an S or an X based on these improvements? 
Man, that range. Oh. Now I'm asking <sighs> a bunch of Model Three owners, right? So, <laughs> well, so I'll start. I'll start um, with my analysis in this. So, the answer is not yet. It's so it's it's great. You know, we we heard earlier. We'll get into this uh, in terms of their drive test they did earlier this week in California. The the reason they went with the Model Three versus the Model S initially was not a pricing. Uh, decision at all. It was more of just what the car is, the size of the vehicle, the interior of the car, everything. The Model 3 fits me better than the S does. However, I would be very, very tempted uh, if the Model S had this, uh, you know, these improvements continue, especially if they change the battery pack uh, to the denser 2170s, you know, if they really kind of get more power out of the car, because right now the Model 3 would be a better charging vehicle than the Model SRX with this refresh. But you're, you're, the, the gap is narrowing considerably in that case. Um, but if the interior refresh is, and again, we're just positing a theory here, if it is any way related to the Model Y, the Semi, the Model 3 interior, in whatever time frame that may be, then I'm going, hmm, that's a very considerable trade-off. Because then I would say maybe my Model 3 is a good down payment towards that car, and I would just trade up. <laughs> Uh, and make the and make the bite. Um, but that's that's something that we'll see when whenever that happens. But that would be probably the only thing is the interior for the Model S is still too clunky for me. There's still too much happening in the dashboard. Um, I would like the Model 3 style of clean front uh, with the dash. Then 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 you got my attention a lot more than I, you. I, I'm a firm believer that that will definitely happen based yeah. on the direction they're going, which is full self-driving. Sure. Well, how about you, Michael? You've been making some noise about wanting a performance Model 3. What do you think about this? Uh, well, first and foremost, I think everything we've seen for the S and the X is phenomenal. Um, I think it kind of makes sense why we saw some things go away in the configurator. They Obviously, they knew this was coming, so they kind of slowed things down, transitioned into this. For me, similar to Eric, it's the size and the dynamics of the three that I like at this stage of my life currently. Um, I wouldn't hesitate. On an S, I would I would love it, uh, but I really just the three is the right car for me. So price point as well. Now we have two threes. So let me make a couple more payments like Eric, and then it could be the down payment for the S with the refreshed interior. Did you tell your dad about this car because he has a Model S? I did. He didn't see the news at all, so I had to oh, okay. had to catch him back up and see if he wants a ludicrous <laughs> one now. <laughs> Ian, any thoughts? Yeah, the only thing I, I have now is is uh, range envy, basically, um, because we we all know the performance model three is a range pig. Out of all of the threes, it's the one that eats the most electrons. It's not horrible. I mean, I can still get. Well, you haven't you know, driven my Model X yet. Well, there's well, that. You, yeah, but you I'm have, saying but it, of, yeah. of the three families. So, like, yeah, the the fact that you know Motor Trend seriously went out and and proved that you can do LA to San Francisco and still have 11% left in in the battery is was amazing to me. Um, so yeah, that that aspect of it is appealing. Everything else about my car, I wouldn't change for anything on earth. I mean, I absolutely adore it. And the same thing that, you know, you guys are saying. It's because it's a smaller package. It's way more nimble. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, this thing is a remote control car with me sitting in it. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. You know? <laughs> yeah, the only thing about for mine is is really the range situation. But um, I'm perfectly happy with the way things work out. For daily driving, it satisfies 99% of what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know as well as I do. I just went to... Montreal and back uh, this past weekend for the Easter. And uh, yeah, so I make three charging stops. No big deal. It's doable. 
Um, right. Okay, the next article that we want to talk about, of course, is Motor Trend in secret, according, uh, you know, in cooperation with Tesla, uh, did a secret ride from San Francisco to L.A. on one of these new Model S's <clears throat> on one single charge. I'll bring up the article here. You guys can, can see it here. So um, during the <laughs> investor day, uh, Tesla had called these guys to their office and said, hey, we got something we want you guys to, tech, uh, to check out. So they gave them a white Model S uh, with a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack. And they said, here, just follow the instructions and drive the car. They told them essentially, uh, keep it at highway speed, 65 to 70 miles per hour. Uh, don't start the charge. Uh, leave the, uh, um, the temperature, I think it was around 70 degrees or so, something like that. Yeah. And um, anyways, to make a long story short, they were able to drive even over the grapevine down to the Hawthorne Design Studio. That's the one where SpaceX is. And they pulled in mm -hmm. and they still had 11% battery range left <laughs> on the car. <laughs> That's truly astounding. You know, for the people that say, oh, EVs can't go to distance and you need to charge and stuff like that. This is a smackdown. This is crazy. And mind you, that's not even with the 2170 pack in the car yet, which makes me think that we could easily crack 400 miles in a full charge at that point. Oh, yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah. Easily. Absolutely. Yeah, they said the climate control at 72, fan speed at 2, drive the speed limit, stay on the freeway between 65 and 70, and off they went. That's, that's impressive. They even ran into um, uh, one of the Tesla semi-trucks. Um, along the way here they took so mm. they, they said in the article they had to call their chase car come 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 look 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 so they, they captured one of the uh that uh, was like red random red... seriously yeah it was totally random it was doing wow. some testing so here's some pictures anyways you guys can see that in post later on anyways uh pretty impressive i think it really shows that these cars really have the legs to go i mean i even looked at um you know what we talked about before it's just like what's it going to cost me to upgrade my model x and i went well it's not happening too much money <laughs> even with the ludicrous upgrade because the ludicrous in canada is twenty seven thousand dollars just for Ooh. the option it's nuts so i priced it uh you know came in at 157 that's that's including the freebie if it was if it was um if it was I mean, if it wasn't included, it would be twenty-seven grand more. So, yeah, pretty crazy numbers. But uh, no, perfectly happy with my car. Thank you very much. Um, I'm sure it's depreciated a little bit, but I don't care. I still love the damn thing. Ah, uh, all right. Moving on here. Um, this one here, we had a little bit of a talk about it before the show began. And for those of you who haven't been following on Twitter, of course, uh, Tesla during the initial stages of their testing for the FSD day, which was the autonomous day and stuff, um, they had a little bit of a run-in with a Tesla critic, I guess. Um, the story's a little bit complicated here. This uh, story comes courtesy of Tesla Roddy. And um, what, they, what they discovered is that um, this is an alleged, well, two Tesla shorters. Very, um, a couple guys are very vocal. This one here, by, well, you know, I'm not going to put out the names and stuff, but they're quite vocal on, t on, on, uh, on Twitter. Tesla haters, obviously. Turns out one of them uh, was working as a design person, I think, at Volkswagen. And uh, they went, they've been saying a lot of negative things about Tesla on Twitter. And, of course, they even went out and uh, found one of the cars that uh, Tesla was using for the autonomous drive and uh, attempted to interfere with it. So Tesla ended up having to get a restraining order. And it just got nasty from there. So, um, Eric, I want you to um, <laughs> chime in on this a little bit because it's it's kind of interesting. <sighs> yeah, so, sigh. Uh -huh. So let me uh, let me try to be as as considerate and respectful as possible. I'll be I'll be diplomatic. Of course. So the first thing I thought about was the irreparable harm 
that can come from carrying out the actual uh, destruction of property or uh, the potential injury or death to a driver or its passengers for that matter. It does give me consideration into thinking that if the authorities have not already acted on these matters, that I would compel them to consider conducting an investigation um, because these are serious allegations. It is one thing, I think, to be a keyboard bandit and to, um, you know, have a faceless profile and, you know, talk terrible things about a competitor or about, a, a, you know, a supporter of company X or whatever. You know, it's, it's one thing to do that. It's not it's not mature. It's not appropriate. You know, there are ways of having, pos- you know, engaging dialogue with dissenting ideas um, without being condescending or rude or anything like that. But it happens. So to know that there are now people who are in the planning stages and the acting stages of trying to damage the vehicles during their drives to uh, risk injury and death to the passengers of the car is irreprehensible. It is disgusting and it is disturbing. And, you know, we've had conversations in the show in the past about the impact that the the Tesla naysayers have had, um, whether it's through, uh, you know, the course of their own supporters or whatever it might be. It is it is an ongoing battle. I think it's going to continue being a problem because every little story that comes out about Tesla that has anything negative about it is often given the direct spotlight as if it's Batman's light being lit up in Gotham, where everyone's just kind of looking and ooing and aahing and trying to see what it is. Um, you know, this, and, and look, this problem is not foreign to Tesla. It happens to. Um, you know, other companies too, we know that Amazon, Apple, any major company whose name is out there, there's anything derogatory, someone's ready to pounce. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at the end of the day, if someone's out there saying or doing something, um, and, you know, our friend Earl points it out, Bonnie points it out, we have a lot of friends who are Tesla supporters who will call out these people publicly. I think it's, it's incumbent on all of us in the community, if you see or hear something, whether it's your local city, whether it's on social media, um, report it, call it out. You know, don't don't necessarily go after the person, um, but go after the problem. And that starts with identifying that there is a problem and hopefully engaging, you know, some security mechanism that allows you to then report it to say, hey, this person's made this threatening thing or, you know, we've seen video evidence of this or, you know, call the police. Just just do that. Don't don't be the person who tries to intervene. Just report it to somebody who can then stop it, because this really is becoming a problem. We're now taking what was just a concept and it's now being put into practice. And that's actually very dangerous. I want to bring up a tweet uh, before we carry on here just real quickly, because <clears throat> this had happened um, a little while ago. And um, of course, as it turns out that one of the employees that was involved with this, of course, with the harassment on the car specifically, um, that uh, they worked for Volkswagen, and Volkswagen uh, issued the following statement on Twitter today. They say Volkswagen strongly condemns the threatening, harassing, 
uh, violent and stalking behavior described in this article. It has no place in the important work of advancing electric vehicles or any environment. Public employee safety is a priority for Volkswagen as it is for all automakers. Um, this is partly because Elon got on board um, through the tweet um, thread and said, hey, Volkswagen, what's going on? This is pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it turns out, you know, like I said, one of these employees uh, allegedly, without any proof at this point, but does work for Volkswagen. So, yeah, it's not it's not cool. Um, how about you guys? What do you um, anything to chime in on this? Well, I, I just wanted to add to the story because I don't think we covered it, but this is not the first incident. Um, there's this this gentleman had a prior history of harassing uh, Tesla employees in the parking lot at, at mm-hmm. the facility at Fremont and went so far as to actually injure one of the security guards by hitting him with his car. Like he, he, he smashed into his knee or something like that and actually injured somebody. So this this has just been escalating. Like So this has been brewing up for a while. The other thing that concerns me too is there's been a lot of discussion and I think a lot of really good points raised that um, these guys might not be acting as lone wolves here. I mean, there's a whole sort of network behind them that's been egging them on to do these things. And I... You know, I hate to put on the tinfoil hat and start conspiracy theories, but you have to ask the question, like, what's driving them and who else could it be? I mean, you know, Earl brought up some excellent points online, says, you know, if one of these guys gets arrested or or something happens to him, who's going to be next? You know, are they going to try and goad other people into this type of behavior and glorify it? I'm just kind of, and there was that whole GoFundMe that immediately popped up and got tens of thousands of dollars, like, in a matter of hours. Doesn't that seem a little suspicious to you? Like, where the hell is all this money coming from to defend these people? I mean, you you bring up a good point here where oftentimes when it comes to uh, certain criminal behaviors, you start with something small, and when you find success in those small iterations of it, you begin to escalate. It becomes bigger and greater. Uh, You know, what starts as stealing a candy bar turns into stealing a jacket, which turns into stealing a car. And so we we may be seeing some variant of that um, in terms of social extremism, but it's certainly something that's been warranting attention for some time. And, and, uh, you know, to your point, Ian, like it's, it's, it, it may be source. I mean, we're certainly speaking on speculatory grounds here, but um, there could be enough information out there to suggest that this is not just a person, but a series of people who are being tasked with, um, you know, these sorts of actions. Yeah, I, I oh, sorry, but I, was, I just I was, wanted to go ahead. But I just to come back to Eric's original point, it really bears investigation. I think mm-hmm. we all want to know, is are these guys really just solo and that's the end of it? Or is there something else going on yeah. behind this that really needs to be looked at? I would certainly hope that Tesla has some kind of security force internally, much like Apple did. Remember when the iPhone 4 ended up in a bar? And, um, yeah. It, yeah mm-hmm. it was, you know, they had a whole security force go out and actually do forensics and figure out what, what, what went down. I mean, I think Tesla should spend a little bit of money and have some kind of task force like that to get to the root of some of these issues. I mean, just to sit there placidly and kind of take it. I mean, I'm not saying that they're taking it because they did issue, you know, restraining order and stuff, but... That's not quite enough. Maybe you need to be a little more proactive about the situation. I don't know. I mean, you know, we know Tesla security. <clears throat> we know that Tesla does have security on their premises. Uh, we've seen them. They're very nice people. Uh, and they have a job to do. But, you know, their safety is also important, too. I mean, they don't wear flak jackets and stuff like, my, like mall police do. But, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, you still got to protect your employees and stuff. So, yeah, no, I'm not cool about this. Stuff. This 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 uh, Tesla shorting situation now has certainly escalated beyond Twitter at this point. So I hope that this media attention, the restraining order, the, and like I said, mostly the, the media attention on this um, 
kind of puts a, a bit of knife in the side of this whole thing. So maybe some of the people will think twice about repeating some of this stuff. I mean, much like uh, Century Mode has uh, has curbed some of the thefts and stuff. So. And I want I want to add one quick thing here. Speaking of media coverage, there's because of all the positive news that's come out this week with Tesla. We'll, we'll get you later on with uh, Autonomy Day, with the Q1 results this, earlier this evening, um, as we're taping the show. Sometimes that masks the actual problems that we're talking about. So like this story, as big as it is in the realm of Tesla and everything else, it sort of is hidden in a way. It's sort of tucked into the corner because of all the bigger news that's come out this week. There's, so there's more coverage on the advancements and the future aspect of what we're going to have in coming out of Tesla than what this story is. But I think, I think it warrants an equal platform uh, because of the severity of it. Yeah, and I, I would just add one last point on it. With the part that Ian brought up, um, with the security guard struck in the parking lot, that incident was tied to them catching this individual or individuals retrieving camera footage. They put a security camera yeah. Oh, yeah, in the true. Fremont parking lot. Yeah, so you're right. Good, good one. Yeah. They're spying on activities. To Eric's point, you start with something small. I put up a camera. I get some footage. I shouldn't have done that. And it, it builds and builds. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's the public safety risk too. Not only the Tesla employees, not only these own these individuals. What if they swerve into the car, which causes the car to hit another car, and you've got a yeah. kind of like a cascading effect? It's just they've taken it too far. I think Eric, you said it really well. It, you know, bang away on the keyboard all day long if you want to spread whatever information you want to spread, mm -hmm. but they've gone too far. Yeah, agreed. One last thing I thought was cool, I saw one or two bears, or Tesla Q, or whatever you want to call them, the shorters, come out and actually con uh, condemn the behavior. I mean, not a lot of them, but I, I mm -hmm. saw a couple. And, and, you know, well, thank thankfully that that, you know, I think that was the right thing to say or do. Well, maybe it's just a small faction that's responsible for this, but uh, either still, way, it's not uh, Yeah, good. they deserve a shout-out. I mean, you know, you can be as negative as you want about Tesla, but, you know, a couple of guys said, no way, man. This is, this is way over the lines. You know, knock it off. Okay. Well, some other news broke very early this morning. Our good friends at Rivian just announced that they have received a $500 million investment from the Ford Motor Company. They want to do a partnership to deliver all new Ford battery electric vehicles. So, you know, Rivian's been making some news lately. They got that $700-plus million investment from Amazon, now $500 million from Ford. Um, so they say that... Uh, Ford wants to, they, they have a strategic partnership, and, and in a lot of ways, this kind of reminds me a little bit of the early days of Tesla when they had that uh, uh, agreement with Daimler and, uh, and Toyota to help them build um, drivetrains for their, uh, you know, um, battery electric vehicle uh, projects at the time. So, at the very least, I think this will keep... Um, I mean, if the analogy is correct, and it, it kind of bears fruit here, that uh, this will help Rivian... Um, kind of pay the bills, maybe get some manufacturing uh, going before the cars are actually ready. I, I, I'm, I'm really bullish on Rivian. I really hope they go places. They've got a unique product. Um, it's not easy starting a car company. We've seen how difficult it's been for Tesla, especially today. I think Tesla in a lot of ways, and we've talked about this on the show before, that uh, Tesla's successful largely because of circumstances as to when they started. Um, they were very fortunate. Um, yeah, it's not like they haven't had problems over the years, and they've come, to, you know, some near-death experiences and stuff. But I think it's even tougher now um, to get cars off the off the ground for this stuff. So I wish them all the best and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm not too sure what they're going to be doing. Of course, they wanted some battery technology. I don't know if this speaks to any kind of desperation on on Ford's behalf because they have been awfully quiet 
with their EV efforts, even though they said that they were going to spend something like $11 billion investing in, in EV and stuff, and we still haven't seen any real fruits of those labors yet. So um, I don't know, guys. What do, you, what do you think? I mean, is this going to portent well for uh, f- future cars other than, what did they say, Mustang and an F-150? I think those are the plans. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they have up their sleeve with this. My first question is, how quickly did this come down? Because GM was in talks with them up until only two weeks ago. So I'm, I'm only picturing two scenarios. It's like literally the announcement came out on the 12th. Nope, GM's out. They've, they've cut ties with Rivian. And like did the phone ring at Rivian five minutes later? Hi, Bill Ford here. You know, like <laughs> is that how it went? It seems really bizarre to me that, you know, like I work with OEMs, their, their timescales are glacial, you know, like it takes them six months to order a stapler, a stapler. So, I mean, the idea that within two weeks Ford would cut a deal with them, I have to think in the background Ford was lurking or maybe there's, you know, concurrent phone well, calls. Going no, I, I, I believe, of course, what you were saying here, <clears throat> that this was a concurrent thing and they just took the better of the two deals, most likely, unless... GM just said, you know, we're okay. We don't really need it. So they had some kind of backup plan. But um, I don't know. I mean, you know, unless they speak up, we really probably never know the actual details of this. Um, I, I see yeah. it as a, as a positive. If you look and see the other OEMs, like an Audi, all the struggles they're having trying yes, to make the e-tron, the e-tron. live mm-hmm. up to expectations, you, you've got Ford looking at a company that's going ground up, just like Tesla did. Um I think it's really smart. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to come of it. I haven't read all the details, but I think it's a positive step versus trying to, like, you know, I don't want to pick on the e-tron, but put out a car that's basically a gas car with some batteries in it and <laughs> not being able to make it all work. <laughs> Have you guys seen the video of the entertainment the system front. that's been going around on oh, the e-tron too, and, the, and the how front. laggy it is? Oh, that's that shame. I hope it's just a one-off example. Maybe that's not all the cars, but it's pretty bad. But uh, the, the front is about that big. <laughs> Enough oh, guys, to put a laptop in, if that. I don't Maybe want to bash the sandwich. e-tron anymore. The poor e-tron people. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're trying to get there. They really are. You know, we can't hate on them that much. I, you know, I think you know, at the I, end of, I want them know, to succeed for sure. Uh, I do too. Yeah. It just goes to show how difficult it is to create a yeah. very compelling. Yeah, no, I, I know. I think that's exactly the message. It's it's like it ain't easy. It really. Well, is the not. next shoe's going to drop because we should start seeing the fruits of the labors from uh, the guys at Volkswagen. Um, yeah. You know, we're going to see the ID. You know, the MEB platform they've been talking about for the last five or six years. If they stop teasing that damn minibus concept, <laughs> we might be able to. <laughs> <laughs> see some, uh, see what they've. What they, I have high hopes for Volkswagen. I just hope they don't drop the ball on that. Anyway, it's going to be interesting. So that's the deal on Rivian. I wish them all the luck in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need more EV companies. The pickup truck is really compelling. Keep going, guys. We're rooting for you. Hope things work out. Um, right at this point, we're going to start talking about. Well, do you guys want to talk about <clears throat> the um, uh, financial call first, or? Uh, yeah, you know what? Let's talk very quickly about the financial call, and then we'll spend mm-hmm. most of the time on the autonomy stuff. So uh, literally, Tesla just had their um, Q1 earnings webcast call started at uh, 5.30 our time, 2.30 p.m. Pacific, and we had a mm-hmm. chance to listen to some of the parts. Um, nothing really too surprising. I'm going to bring up the uh, overview document here, and I had it here two seconds ago. Here we go. I'll just bring it up. I'll just read off some very quick parts here. So uh, Tesla's basically say that they have an operating loss of $522 million, uh, gap net loss of $702 million, including $188 million of non-recurring charges, 
Cash and cash equivalents are sitting at $2.2 billion at the end of Q1. Uh, it would have been higher, but they had to pay that non-convertible bond, some $900 million, mm-hmm. uh, $920 million, so that, that depressed it a little bit. But they still have plenty of money on hand. Uh, Model 3 gross margin still sitting at about 20%. They revealed the Model Y, of course, and they started production of the full self-driving computer. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about that because uh, I won't read the whole letter because it's kind of, you know... <sighs> boring as hell but <laughs> just put a link at the end of the show yeah oh no yeah of course links to all of these things will always be at the uh, in the podcast and, and in the video and you guys can watch that but there were some important bits in there because some of the best juicy bits from these things really come from the uh questions and answers that come at the end from both retail investors that's new as of last quarter they started taking retail investor questions now as well as institutional investors um, some important stuff came out of that, of course. One of the big ones was uh, Elon dropping the bomb as far as Model Y production concerned, because he said that they're considering uh, California now. And of course, I went, what the heck are you guys talking about? There's no room in California. You guys said it many times, Fremont's full. And what did they say? Something about warehousing, considering taking out some of the warehousing. So we were talking at the start of the show. Of course, the Lathrop uh, facility is almost done. Um, that's a huge facility. It's also almost... a uh, forget how many i think it's short of a million square feet um logistically it kind of sounds silly to be able to take production parts and then shift them there and then maybe bring them back but hey it's tesla they're resourceful if they need to be they need to be uh the word tents was mentioned again of course the sprung structures which has worked exceptionally well for them so on the west side of the factory of course if you've never been to the tesla factory you'll know that it's uh it's quite large Quite a bit of footprint, but there are some spaces on there. Of course, you can look at Google Maps. Of course, it's outdated a little bit, but you can look on and look at the, the facility, and you can see where they can shift some stuff. So, yeah, like I said, I've been saying for quite some time, and we've talked about it on the show, uh, you know, our default position's always been at the Gigafactory 1, but we haven't seen any dirt being moved around out there in a while. So I don't know what the heck the plan is. Um, no mention of the Roadster anywhere <laughs> in this. They did mention uh, the semi-truck, of course, um, but Roadster is nowhere to be seen on there. And I, you know, we know Model Y and Semi are both 2020 vehicles. So why is a Roadster not on there? Anyways, I don't know what the heck's going on, but that was, that was quite uh, interesting. So what do you guys think? I, I mean, I want to talk about the next part too, which is uh, the logistical challenges that they're still facing as far as Model 3 is concerned. But let's talk about this production thing first. So I want you guys to chime in and tell me what your thoughts are. Hmm. Well, I, I was caught off guard like you were. It just seemed odd. Like, what do you mean? You're not actually building out part of the Gigafactory to do this. Like I was expecting the same thing, like that they're they're bulldozing, and it ex- completely explains why nothing has happened there. They're still making the decision. They they haven't figured it out. Um, I don't know. What are they going to do? Start cleaning out closet space? I I I was just as puzzled. But I mean, it, they know what they're doing at this point. I mean, maybe they've learned so much with the Model Three production that they there's some sort of way that they can you know peg it in there. I mean, the, 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 the sprung structure or tent, as we, we know it affectionately, it didn't take a huge amount of time to set up. Maybe they're thinking some combination of the two with some spare space and they can get it happening. Oh, you know what I'm curious about? I yeah. just, just to put one last point on it sure. is think of how many vehicles they've got to ship out of there now. Like it was a huge challenge just to be able to get the trucks in and load them, whatever, with the amount of threes they're pumping out. Imagine with the Y being like maybe one and a half times as many, like I can't, it's going to be like Armageddon with traffic around there. Well, you just you just um, that just sprung something up in my mind because if you look at the shipping yards, that's largely where all the trucks are. The shipping yards are for the cars. Mm-hmm. That's where they do a holding lot. So if they're going to build tents in there, uh, 
again, where are you going to put the cars? Where are you going to put the cars, right? I mean, they do own the shipping companies that they've bought. Uh, maybe they're just bringing in trucks in and they're just taking them off to the other facility. I mean, the Lathrop facility, there were some pictures that were floating around last week where they were showing uh, right next door um, a whole bunch of car carriers all lined up. So I'm sure they're probably going to use some of that space. I, I, we don't know. I mean, Tesla has shown very succinctly over the last few years that they're very resourceful um, with limited resources at their hands i mean they can i mean who would have thought the tent thing would have worked out and here we are five thousand cars a week you know is it is it possible i they didn't this wasn't asked and they didn't answer it but with the model three being so similar to the model y now uh which maybe it wasn't initially planned to be that it makes more sense to do it in fremont because a lot of the core of the car is the same thing or even run them down the same lines. And they just go to different assembly lines at the end? I, I don't know. Yeah, there was always that uh, that that possibility. Of course, one of the things that's that happens, too, is maybe because there's less demand, and they did say this, um, that demand for the standard range, we're talking the, 35, the fabled $35,000 car, uh, which, by the way, is still available to order. You just have to do it off menu. They're not canceling it. It's still there. But... Since there's not a lot of demand for that car, certainly not as much as the $39,000 car, which comes with autopilot and the bigger battery and stuff, the standard plus, that maybe they just figured out, well, the ramp, if we just keep going, uh, we can slide in some model-wise because, like I said, um, other than the different slightly body line, assembly could largely be kind of the same way. But what do I know? I mean, uh, I'm not fully bought in to the notion <laughs> that there's not a lot of demand for the $35,000 car. Tesla doesn't advertise, and it's not listed on their website. So it's hard to know that you have to call to get it. Mm-hmm. That said, the $39,000 car is more compelling. Absolutely. And if they can convert enough people over to it, and that frees up space for Model Y, I think it's genius. So mm-hmm. I would do that. I'm, sh- I'm sure they have all kinds of plans, but they're not ones to talk about it. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's about production. The other thing that caught me during the uh, conference call, of course, was the, the, the issue of logistics. We know since Q1 ended that they had some, what, 10, 10 or 11,000 cars still in transit um, for other markets. And, of course, uh, you know, Tesla has this habit because they have to build all the cars in California and ship them all over the world that they front load um, at the start of every quarter, European and Chinese manufactured cars because they take the longest to ship. So if they build them there, they put them on the ships, they can still count them and deliver them by the end of the quarter so they can make their money. Um, of course, that's caused a lot of logistical problems, of course, because when you take all of those cars and you ship them all at once and stuff, then you know personnel are overloaded. I mean, I've had lots and lots of reports from Europeans saying the delivery process was garbage and it was really bad and I felt bad and all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, they're overloading their personnel with that. Um, so they did say that they wanted to try and smooth things out by doing more varied product mix of the car. So they're going to intermix cars instead of just doing Europe and China right at the start that they will start, um, um, you know, spraying them in and, and peppering them in with the other cars. And I always thought that that made it more sense. Of course, we don't know how that's going to affect them financially at the end as far as their reporting is concerned. Maybe that will smooth out some of their um, their quarterly reports and stuff as, as far. Because, as you know, Tesla can only report the sale of the car when it's signed, sealed, and delivered. Not when it's produced, right? It's not like other manufacturers. Once, they, once it leaves the shop, it's sold, right? 
So they want to get that money as, as fast as possible. So I'm hoping for the best that smooths this stuff out because, like I said, it's uh, we're still getting lots of reports of people being upset because of, you know, how things, you know, they're expecting that traditional, you know, back in the old days, that Model S, let me take you by the hand, we'll spend three hours on the car. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm. So I think you'll see one more rough quarter, and they even Elon alluded yeah. to it, but after that, smoothing it out is, is definitely the way to go. Um are they going to have a couple of misses at the end of a quarter? Sure. But if it's smoothed out, it should take care of itself in the reporting numbers. I just wanted to pull something up here. I was just curious to see how much they're spending on research and development. And I'm just going to bring it up here on the screen. Uh, let me see here. Q1, research and development, $340 million. The last quarter, $356 million. And the quarter before uh, that, no, no, in March, sorry, a year ago, uh, they spent $367 million in R&D. So it's definitely a bit of a drop, but it's averaging at about uh, $345 million on R&D. R&D, of course, constitutes many different things. So it looks like they haven't really ramped up a lot of stuff. It seems to be kind of an even keel as far as that's concerned. So who knows what's going to do, but uh, it's always interesting to see what they're, what they're working on. All right, any uh, last thoughts on that before we move on to the more important stuff? No. Uh, well, two other takeaways I had was okay, uh, full self-drive computer should be able to be retrofitted within the next couple of months. Uh, yes. We don't have any other details on how that will happen, uh, but hopefully we'll get those soon. And the other thing I thought was funny, the uh, the comment that kind of goaded Elon into talking about taking the company private again. <laughs> yeah, I saw uh, Adam Jonas. Yeah. Just, uh -huh. just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that, that did get a bit of a chuckle out of said. Elon. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's um, anything else or we can move on. We, we want to talk about this uh, autonomy day thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's jump in. All right. Well, unless you've been living under a rock, everybody's been. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on, on Monday, when I was driving back from Montreal, I busted out the phone. Of course, they were sitting at about uh, an hour late on this, on this thing. They didn't explain themselves. But anyways, Tesla finally had their Investor Autonomy Day, or they just called it Autonomy Day, where in a brilliant, brilliant move, much like what they had talked about it a year ago when they brought in the three main engineers on to the earnings call, and really let the cat out of the bag as far as this new development they've been working on this computer. They actually had the same three guys, Pete Bannon, um, Andrew Kaparthy, and uh, Stuart Bauer, um, three leads in different segments of the auto, um, autopilot development system that they've been working on for the last three years on stage to really give everybody a really in-depth crash course on what they developed and how the software works. And I, you know, personally, I think this is an absolutely brilliant move on their part because... Most people in the industry, especially analysts and the media people, have no concept of how this stuff works, especially Tesla's vision system. Everybody talks about LiDAR and stuff, but Tesla, mm -hmm. they've been making a lot of noise that they want to go down the hard path of vision. It is no doubt a very, very hard path to go down. Mm -hmm. But they've said many times before is that if they, can, if they can nail this, because let's face it, we as humans, we drive around with only two eyes. And we get around just fine. So if they can solve the vision problem, they can conquer the world. And after seeing what the progress that they've made, even though it was a preset route, um, very, very impressive. 
So the first thing I want to do, I've got some slides here that were um, provided to me by my good friend Caleb Elston there from the Tesla Show. Thanks, uh, Caleb, for supplying this. He, he let me uh, know that we could use these on the show. So I'm going to bring up a few slides here. So some of the goals of the uh, full self-driving computer, that they had a power constraint. They wanted to keep the thing under 100 watts because they made a big, uh, um, a, a big fuss about the system here that... Anything over 100 watts uh, really affects range on the car because the goal is sitting at about, what is it, 250 watt-hours per mile on the Model 3. So if you add another 100 watts on there, that de depletes your range. So they wanted to keep it at under 100 watts. They were able to achieve, I think it's 73 watts. So mm -hmm. very, very impressive. They wanted to have at least 50 teraflops of neural network performance because that at that point it allows for um, better processing. Um, because right now the full self-driving computer that they have um, has to crop frames. So they want to make sure that they have that. Um, they wanted a GPU compute for processing and, of course, some safety. So I'm going to bring up some other pictures here. Here's the next picture. This is what the actual circuit board. It is actually two of the same chip on the same circuit board. And they both run the same software and they both process the data simultaneously. They both error check each other and they compare their data. And only and only if they agree on the data, does the car actually take action? So they've mm. actually not only built a the world's most powerful computer that does this thing, but it has air checking and safety built in, some redundancy. And this is critical because if you know anything about the aerospace or the space industry, you have to have redundancy, especially if they want to get to full autonomy. You can't have a single computer running this whole thing. And, of course, it fits in the same footprint as the current autopilot computer system, Hardware 2 or 2.5, so it's retrofitable. Um, to answer a question that comes up all the time, if you've paid for full self-driving, you get this computer upgrade for free. How many times do we have to say that? Anyways. One more uh, time. Yeah, one more time. One more one time. time. Okay, some more stuff here. Um, so they basically showed on the right-hand side of the compute box, they have all the inputs, so radar, GPS, maps, uh, the inertial measurement unit, ultrasonic wheel ticks. They're also measuring um, steering angle which is also important too, because the system also, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but the system also learns from driver input. Uh, okay, so yeah, there's the comparison. Uh, the physical chip die is pretty small. They, um, they had some x-ray photographs of this thing here. So it's a 14 nanometer process. If you know anything about the computer industry, that's pretty small. There are smaller uh, nano um, processes out there. Um, but when they started this development, that was state-of-the-art at the time. Anyways, they've made, uh, they managed to fit 250 million gates on this thing, 6 billion trans, uh, transistors, and it's AACQ100 compliant. Uh, if you're in the computer industry, um, you'll understand this stuff. Um, they managed to reach... Um, they, okay, so they, they've discovered that they wanted 35 um, gig operations per second um, uh, frames per second, and it reaches 2100. Right now, I think they said that they can me uh, they can measure about, um, I think it's anywhere from 25 to 30 frames per second, but now it can do 2100. That's on a single camera. And let me see here. Uh, again, the power wattage, they wanted to make sure that it was under 100. They've got it, uh, full self-driving computer now sitting at uh, 72 watts. And you, can you imagine being in the electronics engineering at, at Tesla? It, it, like every day is like Apollo 13. It's like, no, no, less power. Yeah. We don't have yeah, much less power. power. Cut, cut, cut. Yep. It's going to run this coffee machine for four hours. Exactly. exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Um, this slide shows that the Tesla full self-driving computer is now 144 trillion operations. That's 144 uh, um, teraflops. Tops. Tops. Yep. And uh, the next most powerful thing is the uh, the Drive Xavier. That's the system by NVIDIA. NVIDIA, by the way, actually, um, 
uh, popped up and said, congratulations to Tesla. We're also working on something, but that's more powerful, but they didn't mention anything about uh, power operations. So uh, I think that, I don't think, I don't think there's any way they can do that kind of performance under hundred watts, but who knows? This is custom silicon, by the way, this is not off the shelf parts like what Tesla was using. Uh, Tesla's largely using uh, the NVIDIA Drive PX2 computer as a reference system in the current system. This is all brand new from the ground up. And you know what? I'm in the computer industry and I see vertical integration. Uh, there's a lot of that at Apple. They're largely that, like that. And that's worked exceptionally well for them. And I think Tesla is taking a lot of pages from Tesla's book. If you want to get the performance that you're looking for, the features that you're looking for, that you've got to do custom silicon. It's everywhere in the industry now. All right. So the man responsible for this is Pete Bannon. He is the ex-engineer at, at Apple, was responsible for many of the A-series chips that are in their phones and their iPads. Um, those chips are largely the most powerful in the world um, for what Tesla, uh, for what uh, Apple does, so he's been working at Tesla now for the last three years. This thing is sort of uh, nothing short of amazing. Um, so the next person they brought on on stage was um, Andrew Kaparthi. Now, if you've been following Tesla's full self driving or autopilot story for the last few years, they've had a few false starts. Um, uh, they had one gentleman and and, uh, and Sterling Anderson was the first man, and uh, there was a bit of a kerfuffle there. He left the company, and then they hired. Um, Chris Latner from Apple. Uh, he didn't last very long. I guess he wasn't a good fit. But then they ended up hiring um, Dr. I should say Dr. Andrew Kaparthi from the OpenAI project. He's been heading the, um, the system for the last, oh, I guess the last year or so. And I think a lot of that was his responsibility because I think they rebuilt the neural net all from scratch. They just basically threw out, that's the impression I get. I don't know. I can't confirm that 100%. But after some few false starts, they basically started all over from scratch. And now they have a very powerful neural network under um, uh, Andrew's uh, uh, jurisdiction. And he's a real smart guy. You can watch some of his lectures and stuff. He actually uh, invented the uh, uh, the neural network uh, teaching program. I, I think, what is it, MIT? Was that correct? Yes. I, I might be off. Okay, yes. MIT. Anyways, so he went on there, and I'm not going to bore you to death, but he basically took a lot of time. I'll put a link in the video description of the podcast. You can actually watch the whole thing. It's really, really super technical. I don't expect anybody to learn anything. I learned a little bit, but then again, I'm not a neural network guy. I know enough to, to understand the basics of how it operates, but he really gave everybody a crash course on how this system works, and um, it's, it's extremely impressive as to what they can do. The thing is, is that I think the average layperson doesn't know how sophisticated even the current full self-driving or autopilot computer system is because we only get to see a fraction of what the actual computer sees. Like we get the little cartoon cars and the people, but that's it. We don't see everything else that happens. Um, there is a video here, and unfortunately I don't have it queued up, but uh, Tesla did put out a, uh, a video of one of the test drives that they took. Um, and it looks a lot, it, it looks very similar to the one they did in 2016 with the Model X, minus the music. Um, but they turned on the augmented system in it, and you can actually see a very pretty display. I actually put it on my YouTube channel, and I slowed it down a little bit and put some music to it and blew up the little section where you could actually see the augmented reality. Elon did say in the in the, um, uh, in the the conference, or not the conference call, but in the presentation that they were going to turn on the augmented system uh, for the test rides. Um, I want to know if they're going to turn that on. I, I hope they give us the ability to see that because it's quite impressive. Anyways, long story short, it sees a lot of stuff, and it's only going to get better. Um, for those of you who are asking, the software that they're running uh, on those is a, is a development build. Uh, again, they haven't gotten around to compiling the current software. 
uh, to be deployed on the full self system. They still need a few more months uh, to get the system fully up and running on this new hardware, but it, it really does have legs. And um, one of the things that I thought was interesting too is that they can actually do uh, what they call control for pedestrians. So they can actually do predictive things for pedestrians. This is a big deal um, because, of course, uh, you know, we got things like noisemakers coming up in law maybe sometime next year where the cars have to make these silly, silly noises at low speeds just for uh, pedestrians. Um, but now they can actually do predictive analysis for pedestrians as far as what they're going to do when they're crossing the road. So for those of you who have little children, joggers, um, animals, uh, this, um, I think, is... Um, is is quite neat let me see here was there something else i wanted to bring up um oh yeah i was just going to say that the ability to predict what's going to happen or to see around a curve that you can't see around that was just that blew my mind yeah Yeah. It it was yeah that was really crazy um the other thing that they can do of course because this is one of the things that lidar or vision people kind of detract a lot is because Tesla's using stereo cameras, um, they can actually do 3D depth analysis from just, just on cameras alone. I mean, we have two eyes. We see in stereo, um, and everybody else um, has to use LiDAR t- to do the same thing. And Tesla had a little... I mean, if you watch the whole presentation, you'll see that they have a little clip where they rotate in 3D space. So based on vision systems alone, um, they can actually do three, uh, depth analysis. So you don't really need LiDAR. So when Elon gets on stage and, say that, and says things like, LiDAR is a fool's errand... Um, I kind of tend to believe. I mean, he's the smartest guy in the room in a lot of cases. So, oh, I've talked too long. Guys, I want your impressions of this. What do you think? <laughs> Eric, go. The, the, the job well, all right. Uh, so um, I, I watched the presentation in its entirety, uh, including the almost 90-minute delay to get started, which was mm. so much so much fun to just watch that video on loop. So, um, that loop that keeps going in. Yeah, that loop, that loop is pretty cool. <laughs> um no, it's pretty good. I was, I think I was dancing on my desk. So, uh, I, I had a few tweets that I was sending out while watching the, uh, the broadcast, and I, I'm going to read the one that I think is really the greatest takeaway that I have from this. My takeaway from the autonomy presentation thus far, as great as Tesla vehicles are, their IT hardware is perhaps Tesla's best product, and it's not even close. So... Um, Trev and I are sort of in the tech industry. Uh, Trev is geekier than I am, and that's by a factor of 100, um, if not higher. Um, to, to listen to them describe the chipset and, and the hardware that goes into the computer, which sits behind the uh, between the firewall and your glove compartment um, in the vehicle, um, to know that they're able to take that much power. And to put it in such a very small space, in its own right, is an amazing technological technological advancement. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is to be able to have the computer process that much information, but yielding or needing, I should say, only 72 watts of energy is crucial to the overall performance of the car, your mileage in the vehicle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If NVIDIA or any other chipset maker is going to make something like this and it's going to have a greater power capacity and it needs more energy to do that, well, it's sort of counterproductive. Like, yeah, you're going to do more things, but you need more energy to do it. So, so again, we'll see as improvements go forward. Um, the other thing that really kind of stood out to me was 
really understanding this, and if you are uh, sort of um, an 80s movie geek like I am, my immediate reaction in hearing um, <laughs> Andre's uh, presentation was it reminded me of in the movie War Games, where um, Professor Falcon has a kid named Joshua, and Joshua's learning how to play basic games like tic-tac-toe and checkers and chess and everything else, and games about strategy. And it's trying to teach a computer the difference between wins and losses. And the, it, as a former classroom teacher, there is some unique way of trying to teach a human being who's coming on to his or her own way of learning of explaining things that for me are common sense, things that I already know, but now trying to educate someone else and how to do that exact same thing. It's one thing to teach a person because a person you can sort of react, you speak the same language. Now have humans teach computers that ideally don't know anything other than binary ones and zeros. So to see the presentation in full, like he's talked about like with animals, like, you know, we have eyes in the front, so we see things in 3D perception. Animals like some birds have eyes in the side, so they have to keep moving their heads to see things. Yeah. So sort of hearing the backstory of how they got the computers to start learning and what their approach was, knowing that it was a vision-based system, is the key to everything regarding full self-driving because the computer is only going to do as much as what we, the humans, interpret, which is based on our environment and how we see it. Um, so between the cameras, between the stereoscopic uh, views um, that gauge depth and distance, I mean, you're basically giving a computer human eyes. You're giving it the perspective of seeing everything in 360-degree vision. So... I mean, it's, it, there was so much to cover. It, it, it was just, I mean, I, I honestly was like blown away by all the advancements they make. And a lot of the stuff they're getting is real-world data. Um, there's over 425,000 cars that are running hardware version 2.0 and higher. Uh, so they're taking all that data all the time, putting it into the computers and having it learn. Um, the predictive part that Michael just recently brought up is amazing, too, because you're, you're taking – like, all right, so one thing they covered a lot in the video, if you haven't seen it yet, is if you were to think of an image, if I were to ask you, for example, for a watermelon, you could do a Google search and see a picture of a watermelon and go, okay, well, that's a watermelon. But the computer doesn't see just that one thing. It knows there's different versions of that watermelon. So imagine taking an entire Google search result for images for every kind of watermelon, slices, different sizes, different colors, different shapes, and you just basically are feeding that into your computer. Again, 80s reference, it's like weird science when when, when the two guys or high school students are basically feeding in this information to a computer. That's what this camera – I'm sorry, that's what this computer is actually doing. So, again, I, 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 I'm in awe of what these guys have been able to do with the computer and to see what it is now. And they're not even done. There's so much more data they're going to put into it. There's more tests they're going to have. Um, you know, we're still months away from even seeing it uh, to the point where regulatory approval is even beginning to have a conversation because they're forecasting end of 2020 in, in most localities in the U.S. Um, I, I mean, look, you, you even heard Elon during the presentation talk about eventually having like a cap, like removing the steering wheel and putting a cap in its place because ideally you wouldn't need that anymore. Um, there's so much to unwrap here. We haven't even gotten into the robo taxis or anything else. Yeah. Um, but but just but those those two things between the computer itself and how they were teaching it to do what it does, 
Um, just totally blew me away. I mean, and then there's still much more we're going to cover, but I'll, I'll let the other two guys have their uh, comments with that. I, I want to add one more thing, and this is the thing that I think is really underappreciated that nobody in the industry has at this point is Tesla's connected fleet. This is the part that puts them so far ahead of everybody else because they have all these cars that are sending real-world data in real time up to all their the servers to learn. Um, you know, everyone knows in the industry when you do a vision-based system that because you don't have that 3D depth perception that LiDAR does, you have to feed it more data than you'd ever need to do with LiDAR in order to get that information. Um, and I think a lot of the companies out there that have gone down the LiDAR path, because largely that's how it started, and they've just kind of gone down that path, um, look at the vision-based system as like, oh, you'll never do it because you just can't get the data. But Tesla has the data because they have the fleet that nobody else does. And it enables so many other things. We've, we've already experienced over-the-air software updates. Now we have the autopilot thing. And, of course, we're going to get into the robo-taxi thing, the, the, the Tesla network thing, which, mm -hmm. I, again, is not completely fleshed out. But they are so confident about this now that yeah. they're saying that they're hoping to release it next year. Mm -hmm. the, uh, like, yeah, the, the machine learning part that Eric was touching on, it, every time you're in autopilot and you tug on the wheel because you don't like what you see, is an immediate trigger for them to get that data. <laughs> right, exactly. Analyze, yep. Why did Someone you just take better. over? Yeah. That's a disengagement. Um, and, and how they talked about, you know, if we just kept uh, feeding in data about driving in a straight line, the car would be driving in a straight line. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but the way they're able to target the situations, I want to see what happens when there's a bicycle attached to a car. Not a bike and a car, a bicycle with a car, Again, I'll just say it blew my mind. Um, just yeah. incredible stuff. And, and you guys said it. It's nobody else has this data. If you if NVIDIA masters the, the chip and says, here you go, GM, you've got the chip. Well, they still don't have the data. They don't they don't have the neural net. They just have the chip. Uh, they're still years. And now, don't, years no, years don't, go, don't get yourself wrong. Uh, NVIDIA has a very good stack. Mm -hmm. They've been working on this for a number of years. The right. difference, though, is NVIDIA is using off-the-shelf, off largely GPUs, and that's right. what Tesla's kind of hung on to and stuff. Um, this puts them very, very ahead of the game. Now, the power constraints I can understand is critical for an EV. Maybe if you put it in a nice car, maybe it's not such a big deal because, mm -hmm. of course, you're not relying on a battery. You can yeah. put an extra generator in the car if you have to. I get that. Um, how big this thing's going to be, who knows at the end of the day. I think... And, and Ian, if you want to chime in before I, I put my closing thoughts on this, because there is something I want to say. So you go ahead and throw something. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just dovetail onto the end of, um, of Michael's comments in that, yeah, the real world data is key. And that all has to do with my absolute favorite quote from the entire event when, <laughs> when you know, he was getting questioned like, well, your competitors have so much simulation capability. Can you not train it with simulation? And he said, of course, we have excellent simulators as well. Mm -hmm. The problem is the simulators will never give you every weird edge case that you get in the yep. real world. Mm -hmm. He says, because if the simulator could give you everything, anything ever possible in the real world, essentially that would be proof that we live in a simulation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that was like, oh, so Elon, so perfect. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a t-shirt so there right there. You just well, walked right into that one. Yeah. The, the other thing I thought was really impressive about this was in hearing sort of this backstory in terms of how they got this uh, information, how they get the computer to learn, it makes me think back to the early iteration of the show when Michael was once uh, part of the foursome, uh, now that he's come to avenge the fallen, 
Um, <laughs> oh, awesome. What, uh, <laughs> what, what's interesting to me is, like we talked about before, like when we were on autopilot, and I, and I know distinctly when Trevor made a video about this, when he had a major update come into his Model X, and he did um, some routes that he took up in Canada, um, same route he did before, that we're going to see now how does it handle this curb, how does it handle this exit, how's it, and we found that there were improvements in how the car handled. Like, it wouldn't try to gravitate towards an exit you weren't ready to take, it just maintained the lane and kept going, or it handled um, certain shadows better, or you know was able to keep speed under certain routes. So in seeing this stuff come out this week and understanding how they teach the computer all these little oddities that teach it how to perform better, it now gives so much more clarity to when we get a software update and the car goes, oh, now the car handles this lane more easily. It actually now handles, it doesn't try to go to the eggs. Like that's part of the growth of this computer and you're seeing over time how that's happened. And to think what they were doing with it two years ago and seeing what they did a year ago, six months ago and so on, the work continues, but with every passing hour, they have so much more data to use that you're just refining it to the point where you're going to make it as fluid as a human driver and even safer. A great part of the video demonstration they had was, well, what if you have a driver who sort of cuts you off or kind of ekes into your lane unexpectedly because the car didn't see it coming? And to have those different versions were both, again, simulations and through real-world videos. It just, I mean, you just, you're taking the brightest minds who, some, who took a problem and go, well, we're going to create this independent of anything else that ever happened. Um, yeah, I mean, if you guys can't tell, I'm like geeking out because it's just it's, <laughs> it's it is um, it's intoxicating to hear them explain it in a way where the layperson gets it and just go, "Holy crap, guys, that's just amazing!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of big. I, I want to throw in a closing comment. Uh -huh. Here. Uh -huh. I want to throw something in. My take from this thing, the fact that they did this and they didn't pull any shots with this thing they actually went in so deep and explained it we talked about the hardware they yeah. talked about the neural network they talked about their fleet they talked about who was responsible for this thing how they went about it and they did it for the media they did it for investors and they webcast the whole thing because for the longest time we've been seeing report after report after report tesla is nowhere near in the full self-driving thing they're out of the race nobody you know everybody's so ahead of them they come out and do this, they own this conversation now. Mm -hmm. They absolutely own it now because there's nobody that's going to be talking about full self-driving without mentioning Tesla now because they did this dog and pony show. Nobody's done this. You haven't seen Waymo talk about this. We haven't talked. Uber hasn't talked about this. Apple, nobody's talking about this stuff. Tesla's out there now and they're showing it. It's shipping in real cars today. Mm -hmm. They're gathering the data. They've explained it. I'm sorry. They own the conversation, man. It's game over as far as I'm concerned. Tesla's going to be here before everybody else. And, and, I'm and, and, so and a, confident about this now. Yeah, in, in a way that I think is, is beneficial to the advancement of these technologies and how other companies who are getting their electric vehicles online can sort of take uh, some usage of that. Um, but the big thing, too, I think, is also with these advancements in their computer systems, and I'm going to touch now on um, the robo-taxi, is, you know, there's obviously a lot of infrastructure set up now for um, rideshare programs between Uber and Lyft and all the IPOs and everything else. But the, the big thing for me 
is in, and I'm sort of hesitant because I'm not sure I'd want to give my personal vehicle to the uh, to the fleet yeah, uh, right now. Because I'm, I mean, again, if you're here in South Florida on a Saturday night in South Beach, most of the folks who are getting into a car are not sober. Um, <laughs> someone's driving them because they're trying to get them to their hotels. But anyway, the the robotaxi network is a big thing, and they're, I mean, they're trying to get it online next year. I mean, we're already now approaching May first. And they're willing to get this up already sometime into next year. And the idea that they're going to have that already put together where you can just basically go to your app and just have your car readily available for someone to be able to get into. And maybe it gets to the point where you don't need the, the steering system at all. It could just be there for a while for regulatory reasons where you just have to be able to still take control of the car if necessary. But, man, that that alone really gets you into a futuristic um, and a society in 2020, like, I mean, I can't imagine two years ago at a time that we could have cars that, yes, self-driving has been a topic we've wanted to get into, but to know that we're that close to doing it and solely, solely because of the Model SX3 Roadster fleet that Tesla's put out there. It's That's it. That's the only way we're doing it is, is through Tesla's own network. Um, it's just, it's, it's dumbfoundedness. I mean, it's, it's like, guys, we are now on the precipice of what I think of is probably one of the top 10 most incredible technological advancements that we have in the 21st century. I mean, I don't know what else have to Certainly in the automotive world, I, hands down in the automotive world, yeah. this, this is the biggest that, news. I mean, wouldn't. Wouldn't we all buy standard range Model 3s and send them out into the fleet all day long as an extra car and sure. just make extra yeah. money? Yep. They're going to charge themselves, park themselves. Yeah, Heck, that, lease yeah. it, because at the end of the day, who cares? You give it back to Tesla. Uh, right? That's exactly I, I, think, I mean, yeah. what, the lease, what, you can't buy out the lease. You have to turn it in. Yeah. yeah. What the assembly line was to the Model T and to Ford, this will be to the automotive industry moving forward. Yeah. That's, it's that's be, how revolutionary it is. And it's not to be understated. It's going to be a huge boost to Tesla's bottom line when the robo taxi fleet goes into effect. Because you know, as Elon just said in the in the end of the uh, the financial call, they expect to be revenue neutral. Um, you know, going into the robo taxi uh, platform because mm-hmm. all of the expansion they still have to do, all the capex and everything else. But this is once that hits, he says, woof. Watch out! The profits are going to soar. He, he did mention in the financial call too that they definitely saw an uptick in uptake on uh, on FSD because of the yep. you know the, the pricing they went. I'm okay. curious to see how many people after this presentation actually jumped into FSD before the price goes up uh, on May first. Oh. By the way, Elon uh, did hop onto Twitter today and mentioned that the price increase was going to be about a thousand bucks. So expect the thousand dollar increase on FSD after May first. Oh, and I want to mention the robo-taxi stuff. So he mentioned yeah. during his presentation, during the Q&A, um, he figures on average, because he priced it based on AAA numbers, it would yield about $30,000 in gross profit per car per year. Of, of that, 25 to 30% would go to Tesla. So an owner could make about $21,000 a year. That is crazy additional funding. Uh, for anyone. And the great thing, too, is and I'm not sure this has sort of been thought about in greater detail, but as V2 improvements come to supercharging, as V3 stations come online, you have this fleet out there. The cars will charge in such a short amount of time that you just just every hour the cars has got somebody in it, somebody in it, somebody in it. Um, it could be uh, quite a capital boost, especially if you're 
you know, if you're on vacation, if you're on a cruise for a week, heck, man, just give let your car be in the fleet for the whole week you're gone. And, you know, man, it's a lot of money you can make and right there. A million mile battery to go with the million matter, uh, mile right. battery. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Was, we didn't talk about that. So next the, next the generation only, battery, a million miles. The only, so <laughs> the only part that's missing is the little cherry on top of the ice cream, and that would have been to show off the robo charger. They yeah. should have done it. They should have done another. Oh, the snake charger, you says. mean? Yeah, the snake charger. Yeah. Right. That yeah, would have been right. just like the little cherry on top. Look, yeah. this is yeah. what we're gonna do. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow. We talked Wait. about it. It's yeah. here. Yeah. Um, one so thing upgrades. now. I, I, I'm gonna throw one last thing in there that I was very, very, very relieved <laughs> to hear because after the Ark Invest interview and then with Lex Fridman, I got I really started to get freaked out because. You know, he he's on to this new phrase now. His new phrase is the two-ton death machines. You know, in 50 years, people yes. can't, won't believe that we let people just drive around randomly in these two-ton death machines. And right away, it's like, <clears throat> I go into cardiac seizure. It's like, oh, no, he's flipped. He's gone full matrix on us. Now he just wants to take away the steering wheel and be done with us. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. No, 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 nope, no, no. Don't take nope. away my steering wheel from my cold, dead hands. Exactly. And then he, he reiterated several times. I rewatched portions of the uh, the presentation. And he's like, no, no, understand that this is what the public is going to demand. It's not necessarily necessarily my point of view i don't necessarily agree with this so he's still with us they did share that picture of a model yeah. 3 without the steering wheel yeah i don't mind that as an option put that in the taxi fleet whatever just don't take yeah. It. yeah don't take, take it your car crash proof make it crash proof <laughs> but don't take it away you know what oh. I, I wouldn't i think down the road and I'm, i think i'm young enough to sort of appreciate this it wouldn't bother me in the least if if it, i had a car five years from now that was the case because when you go to an amusement park and you ride the rides, the thrill seekers uh, in all of us, you don't have control over anything you're doing in that car, but you enjoy it. You like it. Well, that's part of the thrill. You right. Don't know what's so, coming. so, so I, <laughs> but I, but, but if, if the, if the technology advancements are such that what we're seeing today is going to continue improving, um, you know, exponentially over time, then, I, I don't see why it'd be a problem. It's you know a few, some years from now where I get into a car and I'm like, yeah, there's there's no steering wheel. I, the car, I just put the address in, I get in the car and I just go. Um, it's I don't think there's a problem with that. Now, if it is one where um, you know if almost like the Roadster, you have like a small sort of a little thing that you can add on or adjust or whatever, and you can use that, that's fine. But I'd be totally fine sitting in the front of the car going, yep, hands for doing nothing. You have more room to work or do whatever you want without the yeah. steering wheel there. Yeah, the concept changes, right? I, I commute an hour and a half a day. I could be working for an extra hour and a half a day to and from work. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's oh, amazing. I, I can't imagine anybody who would object to having it. Um, it, it, it's not, I, I love the idea of having it. I mean, that's why I bought FSD. I'm dreaming of the day where I can cross this country sleeping half the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think of how much faster the trip will go if you could, you know, travel 24 hours a day, you know, and wake up refreshed at your destination, you know? Like, once mm-hmm. the snake chargers are in, if the supercharger stops, like, you wouldn't even have to wake up to charge the car. That's it's just going to pull over. Yeah, think about that. You can just roll through the night, man. Like mm-hmm. just go. Um, I, I love that idea. But when going I get to Florida to, a lot shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, when I get there, I, you know, I want to get my drift on. You know, I want to have some fun. I, I want, I want, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. Damn it! <laughs> Don't blame you. So, Ian, you bought FSD. I got FSD. Michael, you bought FSD. Yep. And and Eric, well, no. <sighs> yes, that's a no. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. We we just I was just taking a poll. I'll, I'll come pick you up. <laughs> I wouldn't even enterprise I'm fine. I, gotta, I have a car. I'm good. But we can talk in my car while it's driving. 
It's all good, man. It's all we, good, man. We can do that now anyway. I don't understand. <laughs> That's right. We can do that now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> one day, oh. one day we're going to do this show from the cars. Everybody's in their cars. The, the beauty of it is, though. Michael started that a long time ago when we were like in episode two of his podcast. <laughs> yeah, but he's in his garage. I'm talking about like rolling. Crying oh. oh. kids here. Uh, yeah. The beauty of it is, though, Eric, you've got an enhanced autopilot, which bleeds so close into full self-drive. It's true. With Navigate on autopilot, like today, actually, I was driving on the highway, and the car intelligently slowed down before someone merged in. And I, I had never noticed that before. I, I think that. instead of, you know, until Autonomy Day, where they said the car was starting to predict the uh, the cars coming over, I, I, I saw it happen today, and I thought, wow. You know, it's it's already here. It's already doing it. By the way, this past weekend when I was uh, coming back, actually on Monday, um, I had a chance to really experiment with more of the settings as far as lane change is concerned in uh, NOA. And um, uh, I, I, I run on average now. Um, I found that um, Mad Max, and I, I, I had this discussion with Ian, of course, on the weekend. Uh, Mad Max, I found for me, was too aggressive. It just... It, it got out, wanted to come back, and it wanted to change lanes too often. There's times when I just like to linger a little bit, and mm -hmm. I was always having the press cancel. Average works best for me. So try them all. That's the one that works for me. I tried <laughs> Mad Max. Hey, I figured, hey, Mad Max, why not, right? Full hey, but if, but if you have it on if you have, traffic, though. Remember, but if you have okay. it on Mad Max and you're doing that interaction, you're teaching the car. Uh, One thing that I did tweet, and I hope that Elon saw it, was on the S and the X, of course, um, you can press the button on the right-hand side of the scroll wheel. You can choose what you want the scroll wheel to do. I would like to be able to have the lane change settings as one of those options so that I can just flick the, the scroll wheel. If I happen to be in traffic, whatever, and I just want to adjust it on the fly, that's better because it takes me literally four mm -hmm. button presses. That reminds me uh, of a tweet you had to Elon. That's Nate, right. I didn't get a response. Our, our friend Nate, Purple Model 3, he yes, sir. Uh, took a screen grab and noticed that there's a fourth icon on the Model 3 and an extra card. So I suspect what you're talking about is coming to the menu structure, and obviously it would be there for SNX as well then. But there was that little so. autopilot icon in the, uh, in the card area. Good to know. Well, I hope that coming because that's, that's the one thing that I would like yeah. to be able to change on the fly on there. Uh, I think that would, be, uh, that would be useful. All right. Well, I think we've beaten this horse. Uh, we'll have more to say because over the last three or four podcasts, we've been talking about autopilot so much because it's been in the news. Anyways, we're going to take a little bit of a break here from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. All right, it's time on the podcast where we answer your viewer and listener questions. Thank you very much. By the way, if you don't know, um, every day we do the podcast or just before we tend to put out a little tweet, make sure you follow me on Twitter or Eric or Ian or anybody uh, because we put out a Google form where you can submit your questions. So, Eric, what's the first question for this evening that we should answer our viewer and listeners? Absolutely. Thank you. So the first question comes from Aaron 
Are you aware of anyone that has managed to get Tesla to honor the after-sale price, 4000 US, for upgrading from EAP to FSD for those that chose to not buy FSD upfront a year ago? If so, do you think it's possible Tesla will continue to honor this after May 1st? Ooh, that's a really question. I don't know what Tesla's policy is going to be after May 1st. I know right now you pay you know, uh, more of a price. I mean, we did have that little fire sale at the beginning of March. I don't know. Um, I know that some people uh, have been able to get refunds who had overpaid. That was myself included before they had Dusta had settled. I don't know. I think that's one of those things you're going to have to ask Tesla and see. Um, I would recommend anybody who's sitting on the fence who sees the current adjusted price or whatever the current price is in FSD and you want it, uh, upgrade because we did mention earlier uh, Tesla got on or Elon got on Twitter and said that it's going to go up a thousand bucks. So who knows? I there wish I had an answer. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from Ray. Now this sort of ties into the um, the automation, the autonomy of the vehicle. So aren't steering brake pedal and accelerators all considered fly-by-wire, at least in terms of the Model 3. In other words, software-wise, they're simply an input-output device, thereby via software they can be ignored in conjunction with a robotic fleet. The answer is yes and no. The steering has a physical linkage. Mm -hmm. It is assisted electrically. Um, the brakes are assisted electrically, hydraulically, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's largely fly-by-wire, uh, the steering included, but there is a physical link. Here yeah, the, the only one's pure wire is, is the accelerator. Everything else has mechanical links. Yeah, I've noticed on mine when I'm on auto, autopilot and the car brakes, uh, the brake pedal actually does physically move on me. A certain distance, but it does work. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's moving the, the servo, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's oh, moving yeah. the servo, so. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Next question comes from Stuart. Regarding the improvements to autopilot that have been mentioned previously and were mentioned in the autonomy day, uh, what system are those improvements implemented into? AP slash EAP slash FSD slash forward collision warning or other? Having just an AP enabled vehicle, what I need to get FSD to get them. Uh, I think it's all of the above, right? Some of this stuff goes blend. to standard safety features, predicting that someone's going to walk in front of you. Uh, we did hear side collision detection and avoidance come up as well. So I, I think it's definitely a blend, like you said, Trev. Anything that has to do with active safety, I think Tesla's going to kind of build in as part of the safety measures. Anything else mm -hmm. that's over and above that as far as steering is concerned, uh, the, the autonomy functions and stuff, that all has to be in FSD. Like some people that have bought EAP have a little bit of a blend. Like Eric, you fall into that category right. where you get NOA, where now you want NOA, you have to buy FSD. So there's a break point as to when Tesla made the changes. Um, to answer Stuart, I guess it kind of depends on when you bought your car um, as far as what you get. But if you really want to get the auto steer and all that other stuff, you really got to get FSD now because yep. a lot of those features are going to require the hardware 3 computer as well. I mean, we know that Tesla is not going to flip the switch on this thing and it's just going to work um, and, and be feature complete. They are going to release things in stages just like they always have. So there are probably going to be some other features that they haven't disclosed yet that are going to require the FSD computer. That's just my take. Mm -hmm. 
All right, this next question comes from Dev, and I think a lot of people want to ask this question. Does anyone know if the Model 3 long-range Internet service, which includes the streaming of music, live traffic updates, etc., is free or you month pay monthly after your first year? Now, I can tell you that it depends when you buy your car, <laughs> as was everything yeah. Tesla. <laughs> yep. So Michael and I, as Model 3 owners, uh, we bought our vehicles um, in 2018. Uh, so we are grandfathered in before the cutoff period that happened in summer of 2018, where anybody who buys their car from that point onward only gets the first year for free. And after that, you pay, I believe it's about it's $100 a year, $100 a year. So it's about yeah. eight ish dollars per month U.S. Uh, to continue using their services. So we right now don't pay for it. Now, there are Model S owners that are still from years ago that initially had sort of a similar setup where you were given a, a year's free. They've still never paid for their service. Um, so if you've bought your car recently, yes, you're going to be able to do it for $100 a year um, after that. And that was announced on the blog post um, in last summer. I, I want to throw something in here because our good friend Mark Benton uh, just mentioned something because he sold his performance Model 3 and just bought himself a standard range Model 3. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, I, I got to bring it up here. Because, oh, I think it's under media. He just tweeted the other day something about his. Let me see here. He says, I just realized, uh, okay. He says, I just realized that the Navigate in the standard range car does indeed take traffic into account when planning a route, even though it doesn't show it on the screen. Mm. He says, uh, nice I catch by someone on YouTube that... Uh, that's I cool. can't seem to bring it up right now, but yeah. So even though you don't get the um, what happened to my screen here, it just went away. He, he didn't notice it. Someone noticed there it, is it right in there. his so video. Here, here's the tweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So even though it doesn't show you the active um, thing on there, because of course that's one of the options you have to pay an extra for to unlock. Uh, it does take it into account. So okay. Moving along. Next question comes from uh, Kenatala. Will Tesla charge people with hardware 2.5 to retrofit to hardware 3.0 if they bought FSD? Well, we certainly covered that to uh, the, <laughs> the, the grave. The answer is no. If you paid for FSD, the, software, the hardware upgrade is 100% free at Tesla's cost. You don't pay anything. And it can be done by mobile service. They will come to yep. you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to make it. You'll have to make an appointment, or they will reach out to you and try to make some kind of appointment to get it done. But the, you don't have to take the car in. Um, when I vinyl wrapped my dash, I took all the panels off and I had a look, and I could actually see the computer. I could literally pull it out. It takes half an hour. So yeah. I don't expect a mobile service after doing it a few times. They could do it inside of a half an hour. Right, and remember so. that computer sits between the glove compartment and the uh, the firewall, so it's actually not too difficult. It's a, it's in a different place on the Model Three than it is on the S and the X, but it's I mean it's designed yeah. to be retrofitable. They did that on purpose. So yeah, smart guys. John W. asks, what is the extent that a Tesla will go to evade imminent crashes? If the car moves into your lane and will strike you, will the Tesla change lanes if needed? Simply brake and try to minimize the crash? The edge cases of evasion are very vague to him. We have seen many cases on YouTube, um, even with older versions of Autopilot prior to the current firmware, uh, where it does actively brake, it swerves, um, 
I had a case on the weekend when I was driving back. Semi truck was starting to get in. My car started to move over a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it's not like grab the steering wheel and, and then throw you into the, uh, <laughs> you know, into the next lane type of stuff. But it yeah. does do some some active. I, and I expect this to get better and improve over time as they gain more confidence. And of course, you know, the computer gets better for this stuff. So, uh, I mean, I I can't remember if it was the last financial call or the other one that that um, and I think it was two two ago. Mm-hmm. Elon had brought. Um, and I forget the gentleman's name on there, and they said that one of their next goals is to use more autopilot technology to do active safety on the car. They, oh, I remember it was. They were talking about the active safety feature of the hood. You mm-hmm. know, when you hit a pedestrian, it pops up type right, of thing. Right, right. They want to do more of that uh, through autopilot. So that's one of their next goals hmm. is to do more active safety stuff. And so. I'll add, they did say don't expect accident-free driving at autonomy. No, of course it's, not. It's a reduction in the severity of an accident. So you still might have an accident. It's not avoidable. Yeah, uh, automatic emergency braking. There's a lot of confusion. A lot of people think that it avoids all collisions. No, all it does is this is designed to reduce the amount of an impact in an uh, an inevitable crash. The the level of swerving, though, I just wanted to say is pretty impressive. Like I saw one Mm -hmm. recently where the car actually went over and took the maximum amount of shoulder. Like it didn't just switch lanes. It literally pulled over onto the shoulder surface. So it'll it'll go that far if it has to. Every case is different. Yeah, and that's that's what's impressive, too, is the videos I've seen, it's every which way that it can, but the reaction times are going to be more efficient because the car's cameras give it the visibility that your human eyes can only quickly see, so your reaction is limited to whatever's in your frame of view. When the car has a full 360, it knows what the best course of action will be uh, to evade the accident. All right, so we've got a couple more questions here. Uh, this next one is from John W. again. This one is regarding to Model Y versus Model 3 comparisons. So he wants to know, is the difference truly significant inside the vehicles? Does it feel like a Model 3 but with a hatch, or does it feel like a larger vehicle? He asks this because he owns a Model 3 now. He's considering getting either a Model 3 standard range or waiting for the Model Y. But the Y might be effectively about $20,000 more. I'm guessing this is U.S. dollars. Uh, so we can't decide if it's different enough, substantially different enough, to be worth the extra cash. I'll answer that. I was going to say, you guys, were, you guys were at the event in California, so Michael and I are at your mercy. Yeah, and Trev's the only one of the two of us who actually sat in it. So yeah. What? I know. Ian! <laughs> Ian had other priorities. Hey, Michael, yeah. we're uh, in the show forever. We can actually <laughs> have Ian as a guest every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, it feels just like a Model Three. It's a taller Model Three. <clears throat> it's just it, it. It. I got in the front of the car, and I've, I. Unless I look back and I saw that glass, and uh, even with the. Ha- I mean, I didn't get a chance to look in the rearview mirror. I'm going to assume that's what he's maybe referring to, being able to see out the back window. I. I can't attest to that. Do you feel? Do you feel the seats were the same size? Like from from oh, the front uh, seats? Yes. They're the same seats, but lifted. Right on pedestals, yeah, they're, they're taller. No, yeah. I, I got in the, I got in the car and I was like, yeah, it's a Model Three. Hmm. Interesting. So, if you want a Model Three that has more cargo space, that has a hatch, sits a little higher up off the ground, see that's a seven. Don't don't wow. ruin a good thing. They got a good thing. Going. Not seven adults. <laughs> not seven. Not seven adults, but they can seat seven. Sure. <laughs> Even like the Model X now, I've sat in one before with the third row. I'm like, if you're going to like just going to dinner, you can kind of get fine. by. Long trips. If, if I'm about going it. to like Kennedy Space Center from here, hell no. 
<laughs> Plumbing in the trunk. All right, so last question. This actually comes from our friend Bill in uh, Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. Uh, seen any good approaches to hiding the USB stick in the Model 3 so it doesn't get stolen during a break-in, thereby losing your sentry mode footage? Well, first, you'd have to have uh, a thief who knows where the USB stick is. Uh, the other the thing first is, thing. if there's a break-in, it's getting, it's supposedly, or maybe it hasn't started yet, it's going to Tesla's cloud as well, is what I understand. That's my understanding as well. Haven't proven that yet, but... There is a video from i1 Tesla showing putting a hard drive down under the center console. Uh, personally, I think that's a risky idea because it's going to be annoying if the drive gets corrupted. If you want to pull it back out to mm. see some footage, it's going to get annoying. Um, I just leave mine in the center console. One of two solutions to that. Either Tesla goes to a completely cloud-based storage function. And I think that's kind of in the plans. Um, second one is, yeah, relocate one of the USB ports, I guess. The other thing I would think of, uh, and this is, we talked before about using like a USB splitter. Have one that looks like it's connected, but it's not It's not the real oh, one. Dummy, oh. A dummy a decoy. one, a decoy that's visible outside of the console. So if he sees that, he just grabs that and leaves and doesn't try digging for the real one underneath. I don't know. I think a lot of these break. This. Go ahead, Michael. No, no, I was joking. <laughs> I was just saying that I think a lot of these break-ins are kind of like we've seen the footage. Of most of these things, guys don't linger around. It's a, it's like a yeah. it's a crime of opportunity. They're in and out. All they care about is the is is the back. I mean, if they wanted. Just, I mean, yeah, there's going to be some people that will go looking for it, but if they can't find it, it's just even more evidence on the on the, on the the stick. I don't know. What do I know? Oops, I don't I got use it. Sentry I got it. You I know, got if it. You're in, oh, go ahead. I got it. I can, we're going to make the, the case of the USB stick conductive, and it's going to be wired directly to the high-voltage circuit of the battery. Oh, 400, through, 400 volts? Yes. Yeah. I wanted to do that with the back seat handle, you know, for the, the, the Bay Area problem, and nobody was into it. <laughs> now, we're gonna, I, uh, now we can do it with the USB stick. Get well, a new hairdo. I, I, I'd be worried about then the smell of a carcass in the car. Oh, there's that. Have you seen the videos? Um, I mean, they were circulating a lot of time ago because they have a lot of car thefts in South Africa, and some guys put flamethrowers underneath the cars. That's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we one, can electricity. One thing I would say for Bill, I have a, a sunglass tray in oh, the yes. center console. When you open mm -hmm. mine, if you had never seen a Model 3 before, you wouldn't know there was something under it. That's so true. that might be something to consider as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. so it's oh, called security through obscurity. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well... Yeah, I guess it's not the first time it's been asked, but I don't think there's a, a true solution to this. Um, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm a kind of a believer that most of these are just crimes of opportunity. They're in and out. All they care about is the back. They're not going to be digging around looking for your USB key and stuff. So, but I don't know. Till I'm proven wrong. Mm -hmm. Can I do one more? It's just it's egging me on, staring at the page. Please sure. Do. Darren asks, any thoughts on what the most efficient outside temperature is to drive while maintaining a cabin temperature of 20 degrees? If you play around Celsius, with the Celsius. Uh, Celsius, yeah, 20 degrees Celsius, which is about 68 degrees Fahrenheit, and if you you can actually determine this by goofing around with the uh, the range simulator on Tesla's website. Uh, I know it was there for a long time with the Model S. I don't know if there's one there for the Model 3, but you can like you can adjust the temperature and you can change a bunch of things which wheels the uh, car has. The route planner has that too. Yeah, and it'll it'll tell you and apparently it's about 28 degrees Celsius or about 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And I suspect that has to do with that's the temperature that the battery is happiest with. So the battery doesn't really require any cooling or heating at that point. Mm -hmm. So even though you're going to keep the interior a little cooler, that's where the car actually seems to get the most range. Our friends from Florida could probably corroborate that. But it would seem to be the happy spot for range. 
Um, I, I, you know what? I ideally, I've never because I've had the car now for a year this Saturday. A year this Saturday. Um, I I've never had a condition here where rain has been affected in some way. Now, ideally, if it's extremely hot outside and I'm cranking down that air because I just mm-hmm. forgot to turn it on, and it's like I'm trying to get the car cool down to 68, and it's like, oh, it's 104 in my car. Uh, I might I might take a couple of mileage drop, but that's that's really about it. I mean, I've I've never had anything less than than ideal conditions. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the same. It really, I haven't experienced any temperature. Everything's hot here. Um, <laughs> but if I'm just cruising around the city, I can get more than 100% efficiency real easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it definitely seemed to like heat. I think that was the point of the questions. Like, yeah. well, you know, is the idea at 20 degrees Celsius, is that perfect because I'm not running heat or AC? And I, No, apparently not. I, I think, if I remember my numbers correctly, a little warmer than that, 25 to 28 C mm-hmm. is, is the sweet yeah. spot. Yeah, if you're if it's like in the 70s here, it's it's a perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. I do want to ask one question of you guys. So I, I don't use third-party apps for, like, um, Tesla statistics uh, and seeing how my Tesla car performs. Stats. Right, Tesla stats. So I was wondering what apps would you guys recommend for some listeners that maybe want to get more information of their vehicles uh, beyond, say, what the energy chart on their vehicle might show, um, whether they're free apps or apps you might pay subscriptions for, uh, what you would recommend that users oh, so can get do- that you think is helpful. Picks of the weeks, huh? Is that what uh, we're sure, doing? why not? So <laughs> sure. I, I could I could tell you sponsored by no one, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> I just switched to the stats app, um, yeah. and I absolutely love it. I'm going to be putting together a video kind of showing everything about the stats app, hopefully pretty soon. But I'll not only it. does it give you a lot of statistics, where you could also compare your car against other threes or S's or X's or all of them plotted together. It also gives you some really cool functions for the car. Um, for the iPhone, I think it's only for the, yeah, right, Trev's watch. Um, they also have all sorts of Siri shortcuts, so I can get out of the car and voice turning on sentry mode. It's it's really cool. Mm-hmm. They've added smart sentry mode. Uh, it's a good blend of data logging for the nerd and all four of us, um, <laughs> but also some, some cool extra functions as well that, Maybe Tesla will get to, but it's just not a priority for them. So it's been a really good app, and it's a it's a one time purchase. So after you buy it, you don't have to pay a subscription on it. Yeah, I would agree. That's a really good one. I use it. Uh, I mean, the fact that it has you know complications on the watch, like I've got my thing on here, and it shows me my current range on the car. Three oh seven. There you go. <clears throat> All right. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Let's do let, let's do one. I mean, there's not a lot of apps to go around, so let's do one a week. <laughs> and then, uh, we'll consider. We'll we'll do some more. I mean, there's others and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's a good point. Are we okay with that? Yeah, sure. Okay, we'll do some more next time. All right, boys, we're running a little bit long, so I think we're going to call this one a day. I want to say thanks everybody for joining in as usual. Uh, let's start with uh, with Eric. Where can people find you if they want to have a chit chat with you? You guys can find me on uh, this website called Twitter. Not sure if you've heard of it. Um, yeah. On Twitter.com, you can find me at the handle ECFix. And thank you for all my latest followers. I've now cracked 600 followers on Twitter. Ooh. So unthinkable a year ago. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, excellent. Glad to Thanks, guys. That. Thank you. Uh, Ian, you're next. We'll keep uh, we'll keep the best for last here because he's our guest tonight. Ian, where can people find you if they want to chat with you? Well, on Twitter, at Ian Pavelko. Um, on the uh, two forum, 
Tesla Owners Online. You can, yes, I was it too. Tesla Owners Online, you can find me Mad Hungarian. Mad Space Hungarian is the handle. And I'm going to do a little quickie shout out to a special appearance next week uh, here in Montreal. If you're in town, if you're local or anywhere nearby, we have the Salon du Véhicule Électrique, the Montreal Electric Vehicle Show, which I think with the new subsidies is going to be a huge smash hit. Oh, yes. um, I will be there in my uh, corporate gear for uh, Fast Wheels. We're going to be doing a launch of our new EV line. And I have, for the occasion, a full-size 3D-printed version of the new EV1 Plus Aero Wheel. Nice. It's being uh, air freighted uh, from the printer tomorrow. So that will be there at the show, and Magneto will be there with me in the booth. We're going to have a huge setup. It's going to be rad. So if you're in Montreal next week at Place Bonaventure, uh, it's May 3rd, 4th, 5th. So the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I will be there all three days with the car in the booth and our new prototype EV uh, aerodynamic wheel. Looking forward to it. Excellent. And as usual, Ian's uh, Evolve Wear will be in the link in the video description. Um, so if you want to check out his stuff, thank um, you, sir. You'll be able to do that. And last but not least, our good friend Michael Bowden or Tesla Tunity. Where can Woo-hoo! people find you, my friend? Well, try to make it easy. Tesla Tunity on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm glad Ian said something because I was probably going to say Model 3 Owners Club, so I'm glad you caught me. <laughs> <clears throat> I am, there uh, there so are times f- when I have to correct yeah. myself. Yeah. <laughs> SoFla Model 3 on the forum short for South Florida. Excellent. Thank you very much for your participation. Um, Michael, you're always welcome on the podcast. Let's not make this just a one-time thing. We, we'd like to have you back anytime you'd like. I'll just shout out and stuff. You're always welcome. You don't even have to say. You don't have to call. You can just come on anytime you want. Just show up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I had a lot of fun tonight. And uh, as usual, if you want to find me, uh, one of the best places is on Twitter. The handle's at Model3Owners. I'm not changing it. I'm just going to keep it that way. And uh, check out the forum at Model3. Model3. There, See, I just did it again, right? (laughs) TeslaOwnersOnline.com. Son of a glitch. Yeah, three and a half years of doing that. We'll do that to you. Anyways, TeslaOwnersOnline.com. And I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors. That's EvanX. Uh, Dual Band Insurance and the great guys at Fine Lab for the ceramic coatings and stuff. And um, if you'd like to support the channel and you like what we do, uh, take a look at our Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com forward slash Model 3 Owners Club. Again, another one I'm not going to change. going to leave it there. That's it for this week. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching and listening no matter where you happen to be. And we'll see you next time. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.